Discerning and delicious listener, wherever you are in the world on this fabulous free day, yes, whatever day of the week it is, wherever you're tuned in from, it's always free day because it's a new day, it's a new dawn, and it's a new way of looking at your life and your ability to lead and succeed. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dov Baron, and for the next hour, I'm your host here. At the Accidental Guru Radio Show, broadcasting on Telstar Satellite and KWRM 106.9 FM. That's HD3. We're broadcasting out of Seattle, and yes, we're in HD because we've been digitally enhanced for your listening pleasure. We're also broadcasting out around the world on contacttalkradio.com. Right now, in homes, offices around the world, there are folks just like you, salivating like Einstein over a juicy equation, at the prospect of getting their teeth into all the juicy mind meat we've got for you here on today's show. Do you have friends and family who are dragging their butts through each day, the kind of folks who are just looking for a reason to turn off the idiot box and tune into some high-energy, high-value talk radio? Well, my little chotos and chotis, take my advice. Go drag them out of their chair, drag them out of their bed. Yes, I know it may only be the crack of noon where you are. Nonetheless, go tell them to wrap their ears around our big beautiful signal and subscribe to the show because today's show is going to light you up like the morning after a vindaloo curry seriously before you even take another moment go tell your friends to tune in and we can begin to unleash the leader within you right here on the accidental guru radio show that being said every week i get a notice telling me where people are tuned in from And many of you write to me on my blog at DoveBaron.com and on our Facebook Accidental Guru radio page, on Twitter, and of course on RadioDove.com and tell me where you're listening in from. And I'm so glad that you do that. That's fabulous. And so let me greet our friends listening in to what's becoming the omnipresent Accidental Guru radio show. Wherever you are in the world, whatever time of day it is, welcome. To our Indonesian friends and listeners tuned in to the Accidental Guru Show from around the world, we trust that our show brings a smile to your face in these tough times. Please know we are sending our love, and to you we say, 
Salamat pagi. To our Hawaiian listeners tuned in from many different parts of the world, aloha. And to our Portuguese listeners here in North America and around the world, bon dia. To our Hindi-speaking listeners scattered out across the world, namaste. And to our listeners around the world, we're honored that you take the time to be here with us in the intimate space each and every week. From me to all of you, wherever you are, hello, hello, hello. And now on to today's show du jour. Have you gotten to a place where you are sick and tired of people fighting about religion? Are you in a place where you wish there was a simple bridge that could bring together the scientific and the spiritual? Do you sometimes wonder if God is a mad scientist or maybe a fancy made up to make us all behave a bit better? Well, my guest today says that there is indeed a bridge between the spiritual and the scientific. And he's even written a book on the how and the why of it. My guest today is Prasan Takra. And he's the founder of yourwishesfulfilled.com website and the author of a brand new book with a fabulous title, God Equals MC Squared, Getting Spirituality Down to a Science. He has his own radio show that's just starting on webtalkradio.net. And like myself, he's a bit of a nut about the old quantum physics. With a name like Prasan, it's not hard to guess that he's not born and bred in America. In fact, he was born in India, the land where many Westerners look for their spiritual path. What's interesting is that my guest, Prasan Takar, I know I'm getting his last name wrong and I'll correct that later, came to a point in him where he found himself in a a place that many of the great thinkers find themselves. He found himself at the tender age of 15 in a spiritual crisis. It was a result of this spiritual crisis that he came to a place where his entire life changed around, changed direction. Now, I'll tell you more about my guest and when it comes to finding that bridge between spirituality and science, why he's your man in, of course, two wags of a kangaroo's tail. As you, dear listener, may or may not know, the bridge between the scientific world and the spiritual world is one of my passions for my life. For many years, I traveled three continents to study with many great spiritual and psychological teachers. And I have to tell you that I always had a part of me that remained somewhat skeptical. It was that part of my head that was a bit of a mad scientist. Well, there was a point where I was living in Perth, Western Australia, and a friend of mine invited me to his friend's stag party. Yes, I know it's not a particularly spiritual journey, but there I was, 1,700 miles away in Melbourne. That's where I was supposed to go. And you've got to know that it's got to promise to be a pretty damn good stag party if I'm going to fly 1,700 miles. Well, I said, okay, I'll go. I, I really enjoyed my friend, thought we'll have a good time. We boarded the flight and we chatted on the flight and was pretty excited about going to Melbourne. Melbourne is a beautiful city. In fact, it's, it's Australia's European city. And we arrived there and it was a little too early to meet up with the guys. And, and we sort of wandered around this magnificent city. And as we wandered around, I found this bookstore. Of course, I'd never been to Melbourne before that point. And I was sort of, oh, okay, I'll go in. And I went in and as I sort of shuffled around the shelves and 
This was in the early 1980s. And I found this book, and it kind of just jumped out at me. You know, you have that moment when, when you just pull to something, you don't know why. And I was pulled to this book. And I grabbed the book, and, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, I didn't really know what it was about. In fact, I found it very difficult to read. I didn't actually even understand some of the stuff that was in there, but it was something in that book, and I just knew there was something in there for me. Well, we got to the stag party, and, you know, everybody had a couple of drinks, and that was fine, and, and a couple of slices of pizza and all that kind of stuff. And I've got to tell you that I, to this day, and certainly back then, even though it was the early 80s, I had absolutely no interest in watching some crackly porn movie with a bunch of guys. And so I snuck away. <laughs> I snuck away and they found me. You know, there must have been a point where they suddenly realized I was gone. They found me in this quiet corner. There I was in this quiet corner. And they came over and they were roasting me. They were giving me a hard time wanting to know what I had. Because if I was not watching what they were watching, if I was not um, involved in that particular form of recreation that they were involved in, they, they figured I must have something that was really good. Well, there I was in my corner. And when they came over, it was just lit by a little lamp. And, and they wanted to know what I was reading. They teased me and I finally gave it up. And there I was, I was reading a book that was Hugh Everett III's Many Worlds Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics. <laughs> Not exactly a dirty book. It was full of equations and all kinds of strange things, and it certainly wasn't befitting of a stag party. Now, I share this story with you, dear listener, to remind you that the answers you're looking for are actually all around you. You must keep your eyes open, and more than that... You must be willing to remove yourself from those who are not pursuing what you dream of, even if it means facing your fear of isolation. Now, why do, why do you want to know that? Why do I need to tell you that? Because you, my friend, did not get your dreams by accident. They are your soul crying out for expression. Now, back to our show de jour. As I said, my guest today is... Prasan Takra. He is the author of a book with a great title, God Equals MC Squared. He is a married man with a three-year-old son. He is a successful American. However, as I said, he didn't start out that way. He came to the U.S. when he was 17 years old. He was one of the only brown kids in what might have been the whitest state in the U.S., Massachusetts. And while going to college to get a business degree, he was bagging groceries, working in a restaurant to make his way through. Anyone who has been through the immigrant experience knows the challenges of dealing with things like a new language. However, there are many other things that are far more disorienting. Something as simple as being in a new culture. And let's face it, the culture you grew up in, whatever it was, is the one you call normal. Whether it is or it isn't is a whole other conversation, but it's the one that you're used to. Now let's face it, Massachusetts must have been a massive culture shock coming from India. As I mentioned earlier, Prasan is at the tender age of 15, and while still living in India, found himself having a spiritual crisis, feeling depressed 
he ran away from home and found himself in a bus station having an encounter that changed his life. Now, I'm not going to tell you too much about that because I'm going to let Prasun himself tell you the details. However, what I will tell you is that it was one of those moments where you might doubt your own sanity, and yet it's the defining moment in owning your sanity. So as you can probably guess, dear listener, we have got a turbocharged show for you today, so strap yourself in, stop doing all that crap that distracts you, sit down, get out your pen, your journal, and let's have some you and me time. As always, we promise that today's show will titillate your neurons. During the show, we will be solution-oriented. However, there will be the usual soupçon of fun as we go. And during the upcoming time together, my guest and I will be doing our very best to assist you in getting the most practical, applicable solutions, getting you out of stuck and into massive successful action, giving you the best solid success solutions. Today, my guest and I will once again be providing you with the information and inspiration for taking massive action towards your dreams. And after the first break, you'll be able to call in at 877-230-3062. I know that if you become a regular listener to our ubiquitous show, you know that I always wear something rather special for both you, dear listener, and for our guest. And as this is our intimate time together, I trust that you, dear listener, have also slipped into something rather delish for this week's show. As you know, dear listener, week after delectable week, I get excited to be here with you and with our guest. Dear, delicious, discerning listener, I absolutely love finding the right ensemble that will honor our guest, and my outfits are always designed to do just that. Today's ensemble actually starts with the coif. Yes, the hair today has been specially styled to honor our guest. Being that it's that time of year, I was able to purchase white hairspray, which has allowed me to create a lovely Albert Einstein-esque do. Around my neck, I'm wearing malas, which are Indian prayer beads, because, well, let's face it, you never know when you're going to need a prayer, particularly in this outfit. All this is wrapped up in a lovely hand-stitched brown, short-sleeved, short-pants, Indian bus driver uniform. It's a little reminiscent of a UPS uniform, except that mine is finished off with a rather lovely pair of gold sequined wedding slippers. As a final touch, to keep things in balance between my male and female sides, I have had my hands decorated with henna mendi. Now, you may be asking, why would I be wearing mendi art on my hands and arms? Isn't that reserved for weddings? And the answer is yes. However, my guest today is performing a wedding, a holy union between what has appeared to be opposites, the marriage between the spiritual and the scientific. And as always, my ensemble is designed to honor our guest. My guest today is both a sophisticated scientific American and a spiritual walla. And right after the break, I'm going to introduce you to the author of God Equals MC Squared. Stay tuned. We're going to be back in two with my fabulous guest, and we'll make that bridge. See you in two. 
listen to this. Unless you want more money. People have all kinds of ridiculous ideas about what it takes to achieve vast amounts of wealth and success. Consistently, those ideas are dead wrong. Think about it. What you've been told about creating wealth has likely been from those who did not, do not, or ever likely to have it. In his book, Don't Read This Unless You Want More Money, Dov Barrett collapses your old money myths and shows you how to tap into your unique value, even if you don't know what it is yet. As you turn each page of this book, Dov Barron will walk you through a process that will have them banging down your door to give you money. Don't read this unless you want more money. Subconscious Tactics of the Truly Affluent is a guaranteed bestseller you'll want to buy for friends and read over and over again. Go to www.don'treadthisbook.com forward slash money and get your copy today. Now is your chance to be part of the show. Call 877-230-3062. Call in with your questions or thoughts and talk with the host and their guests. Again, that number is 877-230-3062. Welcome back. My name is Dov Barron, and you're listening to the Accidental Guru Radio Show. I'm here with my guest today, Prasan Takra, and he is the author of an amazing new book called God Equals MC Squared. And I was telling you before the break that our guest today is a man who came all the way from India to live in the United States and has really experienced the immigrant experience and come from a great spiritual land and from a place of having had a spiritual awakening himself that has actually inspired him to write the book that he's written um, that is really a fabulous insight for all of us. So what I'm going to ask you to do, dear listener, is please help me to welcome the author of God Equals MC Squared, the quantum leaper, the man who knows that immigrant camping is nine people living in a small apartment, Wayne Dyer's biggest fan, and his son's greatest hero, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome the host of the Spiritual Renaissance Radio Show, my friend, Prasan Chakra. <laughs> welcome, sir. The crowd are going wild, and uh, they're very happy to have you here. Thank you, Dov. Um, thank you to all the listeners. You have some really gracious listeners, and delicious, I may. If I may Delicious add. indeed, sir. Yes. <laughs> so as always, our listener is going to be waiting with hexiety to take in all the wonderful gems of wisdom that you're going to share with us through the rest of the show. And I'm very honored to have you join us here in the intimate space. And as this is the intimate space, let's start off by getting to know some of your intimate bits. Uh-oh. In the tradition of the show, Prasan, <laughs> how about you share with our listeners something intimate Something that most people wouldn't know about you. Maybe it involves a bus driver. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Tell us. Sure. Uh, well, I will start off saying that, um, have you heard of the defective detective? The defective detective. Tell us yeah. about the defective detective. That is that's, a, that's genuine, monk, isn't a it? character, actually, named... Adrian Monk, <laughs> okay, who used he's to be on TV. the USA. Yes, he used to be on the USA Network. The show is uh, 
had its finale, but I'm sure it's in syndication. Uh, it yep. is a uh, brilliant character played yes. by Tony Shalhoub, but yep. one that is defective, as I mentioned. And he's a detective, and he suffers from OCD, obsessive obsessive compulsive disorder. disorder. Yes, sir. So he's a detective with obsessive-compulsive disorder, which is going to be interesting for a detective. Yes. Um, it worked out, well, in his case, uh, not so much for me. <laughs> ah, so are you uh, the defective detective? I wasn't the defect. I was defective, uh, but not <laughs> the detective. <laughs> so it was kind of working out for Monk, uh, but for me, while this was um, as I was growing up, as you mentioned um, this is when I was still in India, and I suffered from OCD. I suffered from depression. Uh, this is something either most people would not know about me, um, or pretty much all of them would not know about me, except for really close family, friends and family. Right. So I am sharing this to the world. Uh, with so the let, world let, let's tell people a little bit about that, because I don't. I think that most people don't really know what OCD is. Sure. I mean, we, we've... We've we've heard of it. Maybe we've heard that name OCD, um, and, and I think that people have a lot of images that maybe they've been given by the media of what OCD is. But you sure. actually you really struggled with this as a kid, and uh, it's not something that actually goes away, is it? I mean, it's something you have a, you gain control over, or you learn to manage. Is that correct? That is that is exactly correct. That it doesn't it, it is kind of a part of who you are. Right. And um, it, 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 you can manage it, and I am managing it, and I'm, I can yes. pretty much say that it is, you know, again, you cannot, it doesn't go away, but you can, I, if I may use the word cure, that it has been cured as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, and I've done it uh, through spiritual uh, methods. Uh, but yes, uh, so obsessive compulsive disorder, the definition is that you develop, a person develops uh, a, a personality where they obsessively, meaning, incessantly um, they're unable to stop doing certain things, unable to perform, un unable to stop performing certain actions. Or so way, one, of the ways you might, one of the ways you might have seen this, dear listener, um, portrayed in movies or TV or those kinds of things, is somebody who has to go to the door and lock the door and then go back and check and lock the door again. And they might go through a ritual. It's usually a ritualistic practice of doing that, that one behavior, maybe as, as many as five, six, or even ten times. Uh, it becomes an obsession that they've got to focus on getting that correct. Is that a fair assessment of it? That is an absolutely fair assessment, yes. Um, they, you know, they might uh, assign a number to it. They might say, I have to do it five times, meaning yes. I have to check the door and make sure it's locked five times before they would be satisfied that, yes, it is, even though logically and rationally they know. Like, yeah. I, if I were to do certain things, I know that it's, you know, if, the, if for example, if I was checking the door, I know it's locked. I don't need to look at it rationally, but it is an obsession it's an it's obsession. An uncontrollable urge to do and, that. And that's, that's a very important thing for people to get. It's an uncontrollable. It's not like, get over it, mate. Stop doing it. It's locked. It's, it, this is uncontrollable, and this person has no choice. And we see this with people who wash their hands incessantly, those kinds of things. They exactly. wash their hands absolutely raw. Right. These are good examples. So you were, you were living in India, and... I don't want, certainly don't want to jump to any conclusions about what it was like to live in India because uh, I, I wasn't born there. I don't know what it's like to grow up in that culture. But how was obsessive-compulsive seen 
by the culture uh, uh, of being in India, uh, obsessive-compulsive. I mean, I think that here today, it's maybe more sort of out in the light, but maybe not back even then, maybe not 20 years ago. And, and I wonder, what was it like in, in India to have something like OCD? Um, Dov, would you believe that I thought that out of the, at that time, whatever the population, 5.5 billion or whatever it may have been, I thought I was the only person on the planet suffering from something like this. Yeah, how could sure. a person not be able to stop doing certain things? This is completely irrational and insane, but I could not stop it. But if I could talk about, and, and you mentioned the point where people are germaphobes or mm-hmm. they obsessively wash their hands or do not touch doorknobs in public places. Believe it or not, I had an exact opposite problem and this and this i believe that nobody even knows other than me and i'll share it Um, thank you i will share it with you and your listeners um if you know uh, as you mentioned being in india i was born a hindu and as a as a religion that's my religion i wasn't a practicing hindu but i grew up with certain things sure where we believe that if there is a a book of any sort but especially a religious book but book If it is on the ground or if it's on the floor, and if your foot touches it, you basically kind of touch it, and you, I guess, is genuflect the word like you kind of make a, you know, make a cross, or you kind of touch your head and your yep. heart. You yep. basically ask for forgiveness because you touched the book with your foot. That's I understand. Disrespecting that, it's uh, it's knowledge, it's power, it's uh, it's a. It is God, so it's, in it's a, a way. It's an, act of, it's an act of respect that if you touch this book, then you do a blessing. Of, yes. And that would be in the form of a, a, um, some kind of ritual. Yes. Which might be so a you would, you would, But you wouldn't touch it with your foot. So if you did happen to do that, that would be disrespect. So you would ask for forgiveness. Yes. Yeah. So what happened is that, that my obsessive compulsive disorder started with that belief and with that practice that I used to indulge in. And mm-hmm. what and I try I translated that to other random pieces of paper that oh, I, I would see. I would step on and I would say how can I step on this this is you know this is vidya as they call it in Hindi yeah vidya meaning knowledge and knowledge is you know is res- to be respected so I started picking up pieces of paper ah random trash from the ground so that uh-huh. I could apologize to it can you believe this I mean. How irrational, how silly, how insane. Well, so that I, think was... that's, I think it's really interesting because, you know, I can look at that from two, two different places. Exactly. And you, you want to think about this, dear listener, because this is interesting. Because these holy books, and this, actually that's a symbol you see in actually many different religions that people will kiss the Bible, um, you know, th- those kinds of behaviors. Uh, they make certain symbols, they'll touch their forehead with a, with a holy book, those kinds of things. And, you know, and it's the respect for, for that knowledge, for that wisdom. And that's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's fine. But it's interesting that, you know, you said you were just randomly picking up pieces of paper that you might touch. And yet all those books are written on paper. So there's like this intrinsic knowing. And, you know, of course, I'm jumping to a conclusion here. But like almost like there's this intrinsic knowing that, that all words are part of some kind of knowledge, some kind of wisdom. And, and it became an obsession. Very interesting for me. I think it's fascinating. But yeah. I was saying that, you know, you were back in India at that time. You felt like you were the only person who had that. Yeah. Um, you, you must have felt like you were going crazy. Is that a fair I, comment? Yes. 
and I was completely depressed. I had other other issues, you know. I was sure. at that tender age, that teenage, uh, with the whole identity and life crisis. So I had That's other true. issues going on combined with this, and it kind of put me over the edge. So I ran away from home. Yeah. And I went to this birthplace of this saint in the western part of India, in the state of Gujarat. And yep. uh, the the saint, his name is Jalaram. So and how I far went is to this from your home? Place. It was about, uh, I would say about 300, I don't know the exact, but about approximately 300 or 250, 250 miles from my home. So I took a bus So you traveled, you're 15 years old, you're depressed, you're feeling like you're going nuts, you're the only person in the world with, with OCD, of course you don't know that it's OCD at this point. Right. And you're... You travel, you decide to make that you've had enough, so you're going to travel approximately 300 miles to go to the birthplace of a, of a saint in the Gujarat and to get to that area. Yeah. So, th I mean, that's, that's a pretty pretty outrageous trip for a kid, right? Yes, I, and I left a note for my parents that I was 